0: Today, in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. You can take these weird courses that are it's probably much higher as I can Attorneys in small towns, I've gotten I You join groups that might have something to do with that, where you can learn ethical considerations. I'm sure there are ethical considerations, but there's nothing wrong. You certainly, there's nothing wrong with approaching people about potentially just talking to them. and One of the things that that this is an interesting question, but I think is important, is approaching future clients. So when you approach people, you can do it in a couple of different ways. You can approach them saying, hey, can I represent you? Or you can approach them saying, is there any information I can provide you? Do you want to, you know, what I saw you're doing this, this is what I do, I can help you, this is what you should do. So that that's one way to approach people. And that particular way of approaching people is a lot more effective than just asking for business. So in order to get a, a client, you need, typically need to give something before you receive something. And so that's one of the things that I typically recommend doing. You, you try to give something to people before you ask for something. You don't ask for anything. You just give and you give. And then eventually, um, people will want to um, give back to you. One of the things, a, 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 a business thing that I understood um, very early in my career, and I wish I would continued to do it, I used to publish this book every year, I don't know, law review admission or something and what do grades mean at the top 20 law schools or top 50 law schools. And it was this book that we just wrote over and over again every year. And it used to cost tens of thousands of dollars to mail out to firms. And and but, and but we just gave it to anybody. It didn't matter if they were a business or our client. We just printed all these tens of thousands of copies of this. And But it, it, it did it work directly? No. No one called up and said, hey, I want you to be our choice recruiting firm because you sent me this book no what happened though is because of that book law firms started respecting us and then we became experts and they asked questions and so all that sort of thing you can approach people in all sorts of different ways but um there's nothing unethical about providing information or things that's the worst thing that could happen is someone could slap you down or whatever but i don't think there's any anything ethical problems about that okay these are some questions and so maybe more people have more questions by the way about getting business i'm happy to answer them i did want to answer um some of these uh questions that people had last week because i had to leave earlier what are the uh, um, thoughts on presenting law firms the argument that your overall grade point average is not far far with the firm's candidate expectations The course is directly oh practice here are the best grades the candidate has thereby providing evidence that the is does have the academic evidence, pretty much no, it's not going to be that helpful, but it might be if you want to be a corporate attorney and you have all A's in corporate or something, and you can highlight that maybe in your, in your, in your, in your letter on your resume. But the the thing with grades in, in law school, and it's really, it's pretty much always been this way is the only thing that the law firms really care about is your grades when you're competing with everyone else in the same level playing field. And so what does that mean? That means in your first year of law school, everyone's taking the same required courses. So how do you stack up compared to that? That's why they interview people for summer associates and all these jobs and stuff happen after your first year. Because after that, you can take any course that you want that's interesting to you. You can take a course about what is the law like in sub saharan Africa, or what is what does it mean to, to be a lawyer in the 21st century in a small town? You can take these weird courses that, are where are frankly where there there's not a lot of competition. But when you're competing with everyone else for the same grades, that's what the law firms care about. Unfortunately, after your first year, your grades don't mean as much because you're competing with people I've seen some really weird class I took some classes that, that were just ridiculous. I took one practicing law in the information age and just things like that or anthropological ones like how does tax law serve the poor just just different practice classes that aren't, where that there's not a, 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 a competi- the same sort of competition occurs for the best grades. So that is one as well. I just, I don't think it matters if you got a good grade in certain classes. Okay. So the grades are related to, are related to your standing or class. When I graduated from the University of Virginia law school, they put 80% of the class or something like that, of the class fell between between a, I don't know, a 2.9 and a 3.1. And so you look at that today and you say, that's horrible. And then, but then they move and then they would say, oh, this is what all of our students have. But then because of the competition and the other law firms, other law schools and everything, then they changed it, wherever now, maybe it's, I don't know what it is. I don't even want to say what it is because I don't know, but I'm, it's probably much higher is all I can say. When I graduated from the University of Chicago, this is the college, okay? University of Chicago, the, the average grade point was like something ridiculous. It was like a 2.3 to a 2.5 or, I don't know, 2.7, something like it sounds very low. When you think about it, like C plus, B minus, I don't know, whatever it was. And, and anyway, and anyway, that, that was considered really good. And if you had A minus average, you were like basically like top 1%. So it depends on the school like that you're going to. So grade points really have to do with where you're ranking based on those grades. And so the law firms care more about that. If you, but if you get a 3.7 and that puts you in the top 50% of your class, just put you have a 3.7. But that, that's all you need to do. But you don't necessarily need to worry too much about what your grades are. You, you just, you, you don't need to put up your GPA unless, unless it means something. So. Okay, this is a good question from last week from someone I recognize. Their name is also on this call. So the good news is if I don't get the questions the previous week, if I were to leave early, I do, do them the next week. What advice do you have for lawyers who took a long hat as practice Neither want to reenter practice at the junior level to get good training and a different area in the early experience, even though they're an age, good academics, but decades ago. Okay, so the this is something I go over in every every call, um, but I'll do it. Um, but again, it always applies to different situations. I'm not saying anybody's asking. So the idea, so as someone gets more senior, they the the reason there, there's a lot of prejudice against senior attorneys in law firms. As attorneys, and it's in, in frankly, and outside of law firms as well. So as an attorney um, gets more senior, um, unless they continue with the practice of law and they show commitment and they've learned something, the odds are that if they're hired back, they're not going to stick with it. They're going to be harder to train. And they got out of the practice law for some reason to begin with. But even if all that stuff is answered, The problem is then, are they likely to stick with it? Are they be able to be managed by people that are younger than than them? Are they going to have the same uh, drive and enthusiasm as they might have had as a younger attorney? All these sorts of things factor in. And because there's so many factors that are stacked against you, the answer generally is no. Like, why would we be willing to take a chance? Why would we give this person a second career? Why would we do this when there's plenty of others that um, really want to do the exact same sort of work and we'll do it um, at, a, at a reasonable you know, uh, cost and so forth. That's really um, one of the big things that you're up against. So if you can get beyond all that and get hired, which you can, the problem is you have to choose the type of firm that's going to hire you. So you, so you have firms that are really lowest paid and least consumer facing and will hire you if you're willing to work. So these are your... Least prestigious firms, then you have still lower paid, more paid. Some work for companies, lowest fees and salary, right. uh, maybe a bit higher than five, maybe higher than, maybe a bit higher. And this is, I've come up with this thing over time, but maybe a bit higher than one firm. And then you get into this, you get size mid-sized firms, firms that do most of their work do most work for for companies, and then you get into the, which are, I would say, if you look at the most prestigious top one half, you know, top half, one half or 1%, something really crazy, jobs, and then you get into of And the reason I'm showing everyone this is just because it's, and this is your AMLA 100, 200 firms, or, you know, very prestigious. Who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today so this is how all these um, firms break down it's not that important to understand but it is important to understand if you want to get a job so if you have all these factors weighing against you meaning whatever your law school time off you got stability whatever trying to change practice areas, whatever the issue is, you're going to have to, to settle for something less than you might not normally get. And then here at the very bottom would be, no one will hire you, um, which should be, you need to start your own practice, which is one option too. So let's just call it, I guess we call it a zero, not in a negative way, but just your, your last options. So what? So so this is just basically the way to think about it. So if you have all these things stacked against you, you're not going to get a position at the most top 1% of all firms. You're not going to get a position at an AMLA 100 or 200 firm because there's too many people that want to work there. You're probably not going to get a position at a mid-sized firm unless it's in a smaller market. And you might get a position at a, a two firm, but you're probably going to have to, you might get a position at a one firm, but you're going to have to look at firms that don't that you normally wouldn't work at. There are firms in LA that will hire someone for forty to forty-five thousand dollars a year, um, which sounds ridiculous because it's less than a public school teacher makes over a hundred. So it doesn't sound good, um, but this will be where you have to start, or you can start your own practice. So it, the legal profession is not closed to anybody. I mean, the, having a law degree is basically um, a license to open your own business or to work in a highly selective industry an industry where not everyone can do the work. My advice to you would just be to, to, to take, to, to apply to the lowest paid jobs to maybe even lower and, and to do what you can. Now there's also what I call, and this is just a kind of a final thing that I'll give up um, to you, but it's arbitrage. So there's what's called a geographic arbitrage, which I um, think is cool. What does that mean? That means that, that you try to, you can try to get jobs, in areas where there's not a lot of competition. So what does that mean? Small towns, rural areas, et cetera, where there's just not a lot of competition. And that's actually a very smart thing to do. So you can also do, you can arbitrage based on the quality or the prestige level of the firm, or you can do geographic arbitrage. The hardest markets to get jobs in, hardest markets are, are the largest, but the most attorneys. And the easiest are are going to be, the easiest are going to be the, in small towns and things and rural areas. I, I tell the story, I think I told it two weeks ago, I'll tell it again this week, but what's very interesting is every year we get calls from attorneys in small towns. I've gotten, I almost did it once because it was such a great deal. I f- was trying to figure out what I'm going to do after I do it. And it's when I was recruiting, but we get calls from attorneys in small towns and small markets and And they say things like, retiring, I just need someone to come and take over my practice. I'm like, yeah, wow, you just want someone to take over your practice. Like, yeah, we don't care who it is. And that might be some strange area of California or Nevada or the middle of the desert, but this happens all the time. So you can always, you can walk into good situations where you can make a lot of money taking over practice. There's all sorts of things you can do, but you just need to understand that the level of opportunity you're going to get. Is going to be is going to be based on what you have to offer and where how scarce your skills are. It's just the law of supply and demand. What mistake would you give to mid to low grades in order to differentiate themselves to a position? The way to typically look like the best applicant is to be the best applicant. So that means that you apply again smaller markets, smaller towns, or the jobs that other people aren't applying for and are willing to do other types of work that other people want. So again, it doesn't matter what your grades were in law school. It doesn't matter how well you think you're doing. All it means, all your grades mean are, it means the, your ability to get a job in a five or four firm is probably not gonna work out for you. Your ability to get a three firm in a large city is probably not gonna work out for you, but it might in a smaller market. So you just have to work at these lower pay jobs. Now the good news is this is for everyone to understand, this may be the final question, I think. But the good news is you can always start out at a two-firm and move to a three-firm, and you can probably even move from a three-firm to a four firm if you play your cards right. If you learn how to get business and do all these things, you can even start at a one firm and move to a two firm, a three firm, and four firm. I've seen people do it. I've seen people start at a two firm and move to a five firm. Now, they didn't do it right away. They went through two firm, then three firm, then four firm, and then five firm. But it's definitely possible. It's something you can do. So it's something that a lot of people don't understand, but it's one of the, um, uh, uh, you know, to understand. So let me just see here. Oh. Okay, here's another question. Sorry, I didn't, this is a good question. Okay, looks like there's more questions I didn't answer. And I will get to all the questions you guys answered or girls uh, not us today. What methods of business development do you think work best in a niche area of law, like international trade? Is it different for smalls or compared to large pension clients? Yeah. So I, again, I'm just speaking. I, I don't, and I've made certainly international trade compliance placements, but um, you, with, with that, you basically get involved with business groups that have these issues. You join them. You you find out. You write. You figure out a niche in a trade trade compliance, and you put information out there, whether it's articles on social media or on your business website about that. You join groups that might have something to do with that, where you can learn from fellow people in the international trade compliance. You you find small clients with issues. You. Find groups that have them. Maybe it's again, it could be people importing stuff from Asia or people importing stuff from Europe or the Middle East. I don't know. Um, But you figure out who those people are and you try to um, be a resource for them and you meet with them. There's all sorts of things that you can do. And then you have to be um, strategic about how you do it. But yeah, just a great question. Um, And I hope that answer is helpful. But the idea is that you just, you always want to go and you want to find people that kind of use the service and where they could be and then get involved in groups and things that do that. But all of this is it's not you go to a cocktail party or one event and expect things to happen. you have to do it over years and years um, to make things happen. And once you do, then that's where you get the results. I appreciate your transparency advice okay, I'm, I'm sorry I'm just question. I'm a 2020 part-time law school graduate who worked full-time. On a corporate governance team while in law school, experience in entity formation, deal document drafting, diligence, et cetera. My law school GPA was a bit below the 3.0, but I earned days in my corporate course. I was curious about your advice. Again, it's the, yeah, the, the law school GPA isn't really that important. It's something that they're going to look at. But really, the, just because you did well in some corporate courses, I mean, it is helpful and it does show that you have that interest. Um, it's not necessarily something that's going to get you in the door at all firms. But the thing that's interesting and that you should keep in mind is, again, this whole concept of the different types of firms you can work at. So the firms that are going to care most about your grades are ones that you you might not be interested in anyway. It's going to be your most prestigious firms, your AmLaw 1-200 firms, and then law firms that may, you know, it's not this so it's going to be all of these types of firms. And so this is really what you need to understand is it's different types of firms and different types of firms you can get jobs with. So just because you can't get a job at the largest firms, and I'm not saying it's poss- not possible, it is. And I'll tell you about that in a second. You're probably gonna have to start out at a smaller firm and, and with people that and accept a lower salary because of what whatever you are at in, in this point in time. It doesn't mean you're that point in time later it just means that you're at that point in time right now. You don't have as much you, you don't have as much to show for yourself in terms of your your what you can offer. So that's all there is to it. That's really where you're at. So you'll have to start probably at a smaller firm. Now, can you get a job at a major AmLaw 100 law firm? Yes, things happen all the time. I met this one. I I was a couple of years ago. It's just funny. I was talking to a, a guy that had graduated from I don't know Rutgers or something. And, and used to and didn't graduate without having a summer associate job, without having uh, been an attorney anywhere, and basically was unemployed. And been unemployed for six months. He passed the bar and everything. He used to uh, take his dog to a dog park every day. And one day he started talking to some other guy that had a dog in a dog park, and. And they met there several times when their dogs were walking around the dog park. And then eventually the guy asked him what he did. And he explained he'd gone to Rutgers and all the stuff that happened. And he had a job. And the guy was like, I'm a hiring partner at this, whatever this huge law firm is. And then it was a big law firm. I don't know the name of it. It was a big damn law firm. And i love to bring you in for an interview. And he ended up getting a job in one of the most prestigious firms in the world. So so you never know um, what's going to happen. But um, in the most cases, if you're not getting the best firms, it's, it's very dumb to try to n- knock down doors of places that aren't going to hire you. You just need to find a place that has some corporate work that will hire you. And it may be looking at a smaller market. It may be looking in the suburbs outside of a major city. It may be targeting the right people, but that's all you have to do. Law firms aren't interested in whether or not you meet the GPA requirements because they can hire people. To meet their GPA requirements all day long. Every large firm that has openings has lots and lots of people that are willing to to, to try to hire them. And that's all that you do what you can and you get the, you take the jobs you can get, and then you move up from there. There's nothing wrong with starting a smaller firm that will hire you because your grades aren't the greatest and moving to a better firm. I meet people all the time. I'm, I meet people all the time that started off at a, a four or five firm. And then, and then it, it's common, It's and people will fail the bar exam two, three, four times and think their career is over. So they just go back and they started a smaller firm after losing their job. And then they move up and up and pretty soon they're top again. Or people that um, didn't go to the best law schools or something that, you know, start out at a smaller firm and then they move up and up. So it, you it's just because you, you know, the only thing that the best law school and the best grades give you is an entitlement or an entitlement, the ability to start at these top firms. Doesn't mean you're gonna stay there. Uh, Most people don't, most people end up moving down, but most, very few people will move up. And that's what's so exciting because law firms don't care about your grades after a few years. They're more excited about if you're hungry, if you wanna do, if you wanna work there, like all those sorts of things, since they love hiring, these big firms love hiring people for mid-sized firms and things because it's what they love and they love it. It's something that you, that I would recommend. Okay, I think that's it. Thank you everyone for being on this webinar. I think this information is very useful and I hope it helped you. I would recommend that I hope I've made it clear how serious this is. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.